because you will find all the possible problems and all the possible solutions to those problems because you have passion, because you want to get it done, you want to succeed. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey. And you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Produce, my friend, welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all mine. I am so excited. I woke up this morning as I was telling you pre-recording here and I was looking over the information that you submitted and I was reading it and it, it moved me, you know, uh, your, your thoughts behind creativity and the importance of it and how do people, you know, establish it in their lives is so critical. And we're the, the state, I don't think there's a better message for entrepreneurs and business owners or just the, the human population right now than what your, what your message is all about. And uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you here and I'm, I'm looking forward to learning from this. Uh, you know, like I said, 5.30 in the morning, I was reading through everything and uh, getting really excited about the day. So Prudos, thank you for coming on. And I think always a great place to start is uh, your backstory. You know, how, how did you, how'd you become so intrigued by creativity and yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to take away from it. Give us your backstory, please. Sure. Well, my backstory starts at uh, six minutes past 10 in the morning on a Friday. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't recall it, but I'm, I'm told uh, it was a sunny day in Calcutta when I was born. And from there, I can actually draw a straight line to what I do today. So I went to a secondary school in, in Calcutta. And while growing up, my mother was a national NGO head. She was a British-trained lawyer, uh, but she actually uh, headed a national non-governmental organization. And so she took me to meet Mother Teresa several times. This is in the early 60s, long before Mother Teresa was famous. Wow. And the image of Mother Teresa working in a huge room with the poorest of the poor uh, of Calcutta dying on cots is still etched in my mind as if it were just yesterday. And I think I draw a straight line from that image when I was eight years old to what I do today, which is behavior change communications for people both in their personal and in their professional lives to better the human condition through mass communications. So uh, after that, I went to Bombay. Uh, that's, you know, Calcutta and Bombay were the names of the cities then. They've now changed. But... Uh, I went to Bombay, uh, did high school there, uh, left, went to Pennsylvania for high school for a year, uh, then did a four-year degree in three years in Western Pennsylvania. 
uh, interned for a while in the UN uh, Information Center in Washington, interned for a while in House of Reps, uh, House of Representatives in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and then came to Canada to do my graduate studies in international affairs, and I wrote a master's thesis on a draft international convention against the use of torture. There wasn't one at that time. Some eight or nine years later, the UN did adopt one. Uh, and then I started uh, traveling uh, after graduation. I went to Africa for the first time. I wrote a couple of books. Then at the age of 26, I was appointed executive director of the United Nations Association Canada, which was uh, essentially the head of the staff of the organization. Uh, went to New York, to the UN uh, many times on various delegations. Uh, did that five years and worked for the Minister of Immigration of Canada as a policy advisor on immigration and refugee affairs. And then Canada's uh, refugee system had collapsed. So for uh, five years, I was uh, the head of something called the Backlog uh, Subdivision and Ward. Canada had a backlog of 128,000 claimants from 115 countries, and I was put in charge of clearing the backlog. So I did that for five years, and then I decided to start a media company, which I've been doing for the last 25 years, since 95. But a media company made a difference. I don't do normal uh, for-profit uh, productions. I do mainly animation for social change or other issues like that. Uh, so I've worked on some of the world's toughest issues. In fact, if an issue is easy, I don't actually work on it. Uh, and I work with companies and individuals to bring creativity into their lives and to, and to better themselves and better the world uh, through uh, creativity. And that's what I'm doing nowadays. Wow. Wow. Okay. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, let's start with this. What does a normal week look like now for for those? <laughs> there is no such thing as a normal week. <laughs> There's not even a normal day and not even a normal hour. <laughs> I, I, uh, I work on a global basis. So in, on any given day, I might uh, communicate with half a dozen countries. I, I just got off the phone with Israel uh, just before coming on with you. Uh, I, I will talk to India and Israel and South Africa and the U.S. and Canada uh, on a kind of daily basis uh, on various projects. Uh, right now, uh, to give you an example of what I'm working on, I am working on uh, voting in the U.S. Uh, two particularly, two states have asked me to assist them in uh, getting people to vote in the U.S. I have uh, also worked in the U.S., uh, created a video uh, called How to Interact with the Police in the United States. Uh, this is mainly for refugees in the United States. Uh, then I am working with the International Federation Red Cross, which is based in Geneva, on the stigma felt by uh, COVID-19 health workers. So it's not, uh, it's not on how to prevent you know, COVID-19 or what to do if you get infected. I've done another series on that before. But this one is on uh, um, trying to assist those people who are on the front lines uh, who face various stigma in their personal lives, in particular uh, discrimination and so on, because they're working on uh, COVID-19. And I'll do that ultimately in uh, maybe 20 languages, 20 different versions uh, for the 17 countries in the Middle East. 
So that's the kind of work that I do on a kind of daily basis. Plus, I obviously have just uh, published my book, uh, in the process of publishing the book uh, on creativity. And I work with individuals and companies uh, on applying creativity in both their personal and professional lives. And, uh, and so there's no, there's no hour that's the same for me. Uh, and and I love what I do. I, I have no intention of ever retiring. People have asked me, okay, you can turn 65 this year. Are you going to retire? My answer is very simple, no. Uh, what I do is very unique. Uh, there are very, very few people who uh, use mass communications for social change in the world. There are organizations like UNICEF and so on that have done it, but very, very few people actually do it as an individual. And when I started this this uh, company in '95, I used to call it a hybrid company. Nowadays, you know, in the U.S., we would call it a B corporation, or in Canada, it's called a social enterprise. But it, there was no such term when I started it, and so I, it's a it's a corporation. But I run it as a nonprofit corporation. I don't want to make a profit at the end of the year, and so um, I, I, I used to call it a hybrid company meaning that I took uh, for-profit work to subsidize non-profit work. But now I just do non-profit work. I just do work for international organizations, the UN system, and so on, all on social change, all bettering the human condition. How big is your, you know, my mind first goes to, I hear so much volume of work in what you're, you're saying here. And obviously you have a high amount of passion for it, so I'm sure it really feels like work. But you must have a team, right? Uh, what, what does your team look like? Oh, the team is uh, too large. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the team's just me. Uh, I work out of my house. Wow. Uh, I, I don't have an office. I don't even have an assistant. Uh, I, uh, I have people around the world that work with me on a freelance basis, uh, on a project-by-project basis. I mean, everybody does this. The whole... The whole film industry, for example, in Hollywood, everybody comes together to make a film and then goes off and does something else. Uh, There are very few studios uh, nowadays. So so I don't actually have a team. Uh, I I literally work out of my house and don't have an assistant. But so far, if you go to my Vimeo channel, you can see my work. And so far, I've created over 4,000 animated shorts that have been seen in 198 countries that... Uh, currently exists in well over 400 language versions. So at least 80%, if not 90% of the world's population can go to my Vimeo channel and at least, and see at least some work on important issues in their own language. And all of that has been done on an individual basis. There's no, no team. So, wow, that's incredible. Uh, I will plug this throughout, but give us people who, who probably want to pause and go look for it, your, your Vimeo channel and your book. Give us, what, what are, what's the book and what's the, the Vimeo channel? How do people find it? Okay, the, the book is called uh, Creativity, The Key to a Remarkable Life. And you can find it on Amazon or Barnes and & Noble. Or, and, and you can go to my website as well and order it there. If you do order it there, you get a signed copy from me. And my company name is Chocolate Moose, but Moose the animal, not Moose the dessert. Chocolate Moose Media. So it's a play on words. Uh, I, I tell people that chocolate is the Swiss part and Moose is the Canadian part. 
but uh, but uh, it's Chocolate Moose Media. You can Google me. Uh, you can go to my website. You can go to my Vimeo channel, which is under my personal name, Trudeau Scaras. But just Google it, and and it'll come up. Uh, all my work, by the way, is available free of charge by anybody to use. We don't even ask for your email or anything. Uh, you, if it's useful to you, just download, view it, download it, use it, do whatever you want with it. I don't care. The idea is to better the human condition, and the more people get the work uh, out there and used, the better. I do not charge ever, not even one cent for using my work. Great. I love it. The human condition. Uh, today's recording for us is the 9th of October in, in 2020. Uh, it's an interesting year. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the bigger... Uh, okay, let's look at this two ways. Maybe uh, a, a positive trend or two that you're seeing in human behavior change and the humor condition, and then maybe some alarming ones that you're seeing right now. Let's start with the positive. Ah, well, generally, I, I'm not sure I'm an expert in the negative. I, I'm a pretty optimistic okay. guy. Uh, even though I deal with some of the most difficult issues in the world, and I can explain that, you know, uh, why that happens. But, you know, I deal with the domestic violence and sexual violence and, and uh, all kinds of other horrible subjects. Um, but having said that, I'm an optimistic uh, person. Look, uh, I, I do think that everything has changed this year, and that is uh, both uh, a detriment and has a silver lining. And the silver lining is simply this. First, there are two silver linings. First, that we have realized that uh, we are, after all, one human family. This virus that started in China has affected almost every single country on the planet. Uh, we are all feeling the effects of it. So we have, like perhaps in World War II uh, was the last time this happened, when we realized that we are so interconnected. It doesn't really matter what happens in one particular country. There are no boundaries to pandemics or to violence. Uh, It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is and so on. Uh, We are all affected by this pandemic. And I think that that, you know, we, we have in the image, uh, the image in our heads of uh, uh, the astronauts of Apollo taking the world, the globe, uh, the planet uh, from the moon. And, and I think that that image stays in our mind. And now we understand the implications of that image because of the pandemic, because we are literally all one human being species on this very fragile planet going through space. And the pandemic has taught us that, has, has put that right up, up front uh, in all our faces, uh, the fact that we're so interconnected. The second thing is the second good silver lining from 2020. And I don't, in any, by saying this, by the way, I don't in any way downplay the hardship that uh, people are facing this year. But having said that, I do think that we have had to rethink everything. It doesn't matter if it's our professional life, if we're, for example, the head of a company, how our supply chain works and how we make our products and how we reach both our existing customers and how we market our products to new customers. Uh, In our personal lives, we might be working out of our homes for the first time. Our children are with us uh, 24-7 instead of going to school. So we've had to rethink everything. Uh, it's been forced on us in 2020. I think that's a good thing. 
Because I think that what you need in this age of rethinking is exactly creativity. It's the most essential skill that you need. And that's actually why I wrote the book, is to try and get people convinced. Because, you know, many people think that they're either creative or they're not. That some people think that creativity is only something that some lucky people are born with, like a talent for painting or composing music or writing. You know, that's, that's artistry. That's not creativity. There's a difference between artistry and, and creativity. Creativity is something we, we have in us. All of us have in us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. The extent to which we employ creative thinking differs but we are all creative human beings. And if you don't believe me, just think back to your childhood. I mean, you sang, you dance, you use your imagination in your childhood. You then get sucked out of your creative thinking as you go through life because you get more worried about peer pressure. You get worried uh, that other people will judge you and you don't take risks. And to be a creative thinker, you must embrace, embrace risk-taking. You must have the ability to fail. You must think that, okay, I can fail. Because if you don't embrace risk, uh, you will never become a highly creative thinker. And I think that, that that's what happens to us as we go through school. Uh, and then after that, we enter adulthood and we go into our first jobs and so on. We become very cautious, uh, and that sucks out the creative thinking out of us. So I want to tell everybody that, look, we eat three times a day to nourish our bodies. We don't do as much to take care of our minds. And opening up your mind to creativity, using your imagination, expanding your horizon, seeing opportunities and options, and embracing a new way of thinking is what you need to do, and you need to do it especially in 2020 because we've had to rethink everything. Yes, well said, and it, it, it's a really interesting time. I mean, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. We work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and there's, uh, I've, I've talked to really high-level, successful people who could be retired. You know, they could be living on an island somewhere, but they're coming back. And they're becoming operators again because 2020 is such an incredible time to be creative, to be problem, you know, solving new problems. So you're seeing a lot of some of the best creative minds really reestablishing themselves into markets and trying to figure this whole thing out. And then we got this flood of young talent too. Uh, you know, I talked to a lot of early 20-somethings who have already been entrepreneurs for you know, seven years, you know, they started at age 17 and they're coming up with all these creative technological solutions and looking to it. So it's an amazing time for creativity. And the, the what you said was so important that in order for creativity to, to begin, you have to embrace risk, right? How, yeah. how do, um, how do you help people start start that journey of starting to embrace risk in their life? Because a lot of people don't, they, they seek out status quo. Um, and status quo ultimately just snuffs out creativity, you know? And, and, and status quo is the best way not to progress. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the whole world was to come to a stop if, if, we, uh, if we didn't do, uh, move forward. Let me first start with what is creativity, okay? Let's give Please. a definition of creativity. In my mind, to my definition, 
Creativity is the ability to think differently via mental process of original thoughts that leads to the creation of new ideas. So it's a mental process. It's a transformational way of thinking. Now, let's come to entrepreneurs since you mentioned it. The first thing I tell entrepreneurs is creativity is not a product. It is not something that you can actually see. It's a thought process. So um, people look at a painting and think that's creativity. No, it isn't. It is the thought process that went into the artist's mind that created the product that you're looking at. So, I mean, you and I and anybody could take a, uh, a can of paint and a canvas and, you know, make a painting. But can we be Picasso? No, we can't be Picasso. Because Picasso was a highly creative thinker, and it was his mental process in his mind that created what we actually see, the product, which is a Picasso painting today. Uh, and you and I can paint. We can create the same product, but we, we probably can't be Rembrandt or we can't be Picasso uh, simply because we don't have that kind of mental process going on in our brain. Secondly, and this I tell entrepreneurs over and over and over again, is that creativity is not innovation. People misunderstand what innovation is. Innovation is the result of creative thinking. It is not creative thinking in itself. So if you create a new product or you create a new process of of doing something, that is innovation. That is the tangible result of creative thinking. Quite often you have many gurus, you know, nowadays that go around to companies and saying, uh, you know, uh, put 10 people into a room and, uh, and I'll give them a few exercises and, uh, and we'll get creative thinking going and, you'll, you know, you'll have a lot of innovation. No, you won't. Hey, you actually won't. Uh, it, it has been studied over and over again that putting 10 people together in a room results in something called group think. And groupthink is the opposite of creativity. Somebody then dominates the conversation. Somebody else comes up with something else. It is not the best way to get creative thinking going. The best way to get creative thinking going in a company is to have people have the individual, and I will give you eight points, but have individual thinking going on in the company from the top to the bottom, from the CEO to the lowest person on the, on the hierarchy. And that is how you get creative thinking going. I do most of my creative thinking in the shower. <laughs> I have long time showers as a result. But I find that standing in the shower going over me results in a lot of creative thinking. Now, other people, you know, go for walks or do whatever, but, but it's an individual thinking process that you go through. It is not focus groups. It is not brainstorming. It is not groupthink. It is not having a crystal ball. You can't forecast it. Even if you're a very great, great thinking uh, person, you, you, you're not a forecaster. It, it's, uh, so people misunderstand what creativity and creative thinking is. Then what I say to people is that really you need to embrace risk. And you need to have the ability to fail. And that is one of my eight points as to why and how you need to move forward with creativity. And I can go through those if you're interested. Because you need these eight points 
in order to embrace creativity and creative thinking, whether it's in your personal life or in a company in your professional life? Do you want me to go through that? I would love that. Okay. First, you, what you need to do is to first embrace the fact that you are a creative person, that you are a creative thinker. And I don't care if you're an engineer or you're a mathematician or you're a scientist. I can show you how all those professions also need creativity. I mean, like Stephen Hawking, for example, was a great creative thinker, even though he was a pure scientist. Uh, he, he was, you know, he didn't draw or paint or write or whatever. He was a scientist, yet uh, he was a great creative thinker. You need a creativity enabling environment whether it's in your company or in your home. So in your company, everybody has to have a creativity-enabling environment. If you have an organizational structure where the CEO decides everything or the CEO says, no, we know we're not going to try that or that's been done before or that's not going to work, then uh, the environment isn't right to foster creative thinking. In your personal life, if your if your uh, spouse or whoever your partner makes fun of you because you come up with a new idea that they don't agree with, uh, then that's not a creative enabling environment. Secondly, you need a focus on innovation, and there are companies after companies after companies I can cite where they didn't have a continuous focus on innovation. So, for example, not many people nowadays realize that the first mobile phone was actually created by Motorola. It wasn't created by Apple or Samsung. It was mm-hmm. Motorola had a lock on uh, mobile phones when they started. They had the first idea. It was very creative. They had the first idea, but they didn't continuously innovate. And so then Steve Jobs and all these others came along and took over the market from them. And now... Apple is a very highly creative company, and as a result, it has been rewarded with the biggest market capitalization of any company in existence. And that is because it's a company that keeps a focus on innovation. Third, you need creative freedom. You need the ability to be right or wrong. And it doesn't matter if you're wrong. And I have this joke about about 7-Up. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I like the story that I'm hoping that the company that made 7-Up, uh, whoever, which, uh, whichever guy decided, you know, he tried 1-Up and 2-Up and 3-Up and 4-Up and 5-Up and 6-Up, and none of those <laughs> worked terribly well. <laughs> and then he came up with 7-Up, and suddenly 7-Up worked. Uh, and, you know, everybody likes 7-Up. So, the, you know, that's it, it's a silly example. But obviously, 7-Up is a, is a multi-billion dollar uh, drink. So I, I'm just saying that I think that you need this kind of creative freedom, the ability to come up with this first 6-Ups uh, in that case, in that example, uh, before you get to the 7-Up. Uh, and that one uh, works. The other six, you need to be able to fail. Uh, and you need to be able to get up uh, and go on with the next one. Which means the fourth point is that you need to be treated with respect. Uh, Because if you're not treated with respect, either within your organization or even with your partnership in your personal life, then you're not going to be able to continue to be creative. You're just going to stop. You're going to go into a shell. 
you're going to say, okay, I, you know, th this isn't uh, worth it. The, the risk isn't worth it for me. So, uh, next point, you need multiple roles. There's no CEO, especially in 2020. There's no CEO. There's no engineer. There's no, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. There's nobody in any organization that has a single role anymore. If you're a CEO, you obviously need to have leadership skills. You need to know your product line. You need to be able to market your company. You need to be able to reach your customers. You need to create a good an organizational culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that goes all the way down from the top to the bottom. You need to have the ability to have multiple roles. Next, you need supportive relationships. Uh, so that if you come up with something new, you apply your creative thinking, you must have the ability to have support. And I give the example, for example, I live in a, in a uh, apartment in Ottawa Canada that has a lot of very highly creative uh, and very colorful furniture in it. Uh, if I had a spouse or a partner that didn't like my uh, my creative expression, which in my case is very highly creative uh, and colorful furniture, then that wouldn't be a supportive relationship and that's not going to work for me to express my creativity. So people need different ways of expressing their creativity. Next, you need money and tools. And I give you the example of the Wright brothers. Why do we know the Wright brothers? It's not just because they came up with the idea of flying. It's not that they, they had this concept because actually, if you go all the way back before the Wright brothers, the first person that we know of that had the concept of, of creating machines that flew was Leonardo da Vinci, which was 500 years before the Wright brothers or 400 years before the Wright brothers. The reason why we know the Wright brothers is that they had the concept of creating a machine that could fly, but they actually created the aircraft. They actually had the money and the tools to create the aircraft. If they hadn't created the aircraft and they actually hadn't flown it, we would not know their name today. We would not say to the, to the world that they were the first people to fly uh, simply because they have the concept. So you, you need the money and the tools to be able to apply your creative thinking. And finally, I think that you need one characteristic above all else to be a creative thinker, and that is passion. You, you'll notice that I have passion in my voice, and I think that, you know, if you think of all the people that have changed the world through their creative thinking, you know, uh, whether it's, uh, whether it's a painter like Van Gogh, who actually never sold any of his paintings but kept painting over and over again, or it's uh, people who right now are trying to find a, a vaccine for COVID. There are at least 100 companies, as we speak, trying to find a vaccine for COVID-19, uh, and they're in various stages of doing that. 99% of them are not going to succeed. They know that. And everybody who is trying to find a vaccine hopes that they find the one that works, but they all are fully aware of the fact that they might not work and that the chances, the percentage chances of them actually creating a vaccine on COVID-19 is rather small. 
think about the other viruses in the world. I mean, the best known that I've worked on very extensively for many years is HIV. HIV is also a virus. And to this day, we don't have a vaccine. I mean, people have been trying that for trying to find a vaccine for 30 years on HIV. We have antiretroviral drugs that will keep you alive now, but it doesn't prevent you from getting the virus in the first place. You still get the virus. You just don't die of it uh, like, like uh, people did when they first got uh, HIV 30 years ago. So I think, that, uh, I think that research scientists are a good example of people who know that they're likely to fail, more likely to fail, uh, applying their creative thinking, then they're actually uh, going to succeed. Uh, and I think that that's the kind of attitude that all of us need to adopt, uh, even in businesses nowadays, especially in 2020. We need to adopt this kind of attitude that I am going to try many things. And yes, some of them are not going to succeed, uh, but I have passion. I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm trying to do and if I don't succeed, I still want to keep going. I, I want to be Vincent van Gogh, who only saw one, two paintings in his life, but he kept painting over and over again. He kept painting. And today he is famous. Today his paintings sell for millions of dollars because he had the passion to continue to paint, even though he was actually an abject failure in selling his paintings during his lifetime. There is so much to unpack here for us. I, I, I look at all these different levels and I've, I've been quietly taking notes on everything you've been saying because there's so many things I want to hit on here, right? Um, let's start with number one. Sure. How do you help people or what do you think are some of the key things that somebody who's sitting here listening be like, ah, I'm not a creative person. You know, there's a lot of creative people. I know them. I'm, that's not me. How, how do you get people over that mental hurdle into thinking, I am a creative being, I have that ability? Uh, how, how do you get them to that point? Let's do a simple little exercise. Okay. Okay. Take a piece of paper, take a pen or a pencil, and doodle on it. I don't care what you do. Just draw a single line if you're not a highly creative person. Draw a single line, but not a straight line. Squiggle. Draw a squiggle. Take a piece of paper and draw a squiggle. I guarantee you that what you just created, if you do that, is unique. That on a piece of paper, mathematically, it is almost certain that nobody else ever before or nobody will ever draw exactly the same squiggle that you will draw on that piece of paper. What you have created is absolutely me. And that is the power of creative thinking. That is the power of your own individual mind. You know, people ask me in my work, even though it's been seen by well over a billion people, if not two billion people, what is your audience? And I always say my audience is one person. Just one person. It, it is not a group. In the old days, we used to market, uh, you know, in groups. So, uh, I mean, if somebody wanted to do, sell me like a shirt or something, they would have said, okay, he's an urban guy, he speaks English, he's a Canadian, he's affluent, he's so on and so on. And they would have marketed 
assured to me because they thought that I have these characteristics and I would like this kind of shirt. Nowadays, all marketing is done on a highly individualistic basis. So every time you click on a website, every time you buy something, somebody is making, big data is making a profile of you as an individual. And so my, my understanding of creativity is actually exactly that, that it is the marketing of today, which is on a highly individualistic basis, uh, that we, we uh, are, are in a new era in that sense. So nothing matters except yourself, your own thinking. There is no other person like you. There's literally no other person like you in the world. There's no other person that has the kind of things that go into your head that uh, makes another person see the world exactly the way you do. And people ask me quite often, what is the most difficult part of your work? Well, the most difficult part of my work is getting around what I call the barriers to human communications. And the barriers are everything that we carry around in ourselves that make us an individual thinker. And what I mean by that is our backgrounds, our beliefs, our cultures, our economic status, our education, our morals, you know, our political standards, the prejudices that we have in us, the racism, our religion, our culture, our nationalities, the languages we speak, all these make us an individual. And what the, 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 the play, the weight of any of those in our own brains makes it such that no other person is like us. So, for example, I'm not a highly religious person. Other people are highly religious. So religion plays a much greater role in their thinking than, than I do. I'm an equality person, so I never discriminate against people. I mean, I literally don't care whether a person is a black, white, uh, woman, man, or whatever. Yet there are many cultures where it would matter a great deal whether you're a man or a woman. And so I think that those kinds of individuals, like individual thinking, the barriers that we have, what we carry around in our own heads, creates a perception that we have of the world and creates the way we both accept and receive and the way we communicate uh, back to people. So this highly individualistic way is what you need to understand. And that's why I give you the exercise. I started with the exercise, a very simple exercise. Take a piece of paper, draw a squiggle on it, but understand when you draw that squiggle that nobody else will ever draw the same squiggle that you have just drawn. It is out of your creative thinking. And that is the proof that all of us are creative human beings. That's very powerful. There's a two-minute segment uh, somewhere in the last few, you know, five or ten minutes that you're talking, which I feel like I want to cut it out and be the first thing I listen to every morning. <laughs> uh, it's really powerful. Uh, you know, I want to relate some things to some of the conversations I've had on this show previously. And well, not only am I honored to interview a lot of great people and and big thinkers like yourself on the show, but I also have the honor of being on other podcasts. And a lot of questions I get asked all the time is, you know, what's 
the one or two things that you see across the board that entrepreneurs uh, are challenged with? You know, what do they struggle with? And uh, the first thing, oddly enough, is time management. And I don't mean, when I say time management, I don't mean a checklist that you do every day. What we talk about is like actually making space to, you know, restore yourself and have the ability to create creatively think. Um, the second one is adjusting your relationship with failure. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, ways that people can, can make that creative space. I'm curious, do you, do you make time for creativity on a daily basis? Do you do it? You know, how, how do you schedule that in or how do you do that with intention? I do it with intention simply, as I said, by going to a shower and standing there for a while yeah. uh, and, and allowing my mind to sink. You know, some people meditate and meditation is the opposite. Meditation is when you uh, try and get all your thoughts out of your mind. I do the opposite of it. I'm not sure what we would call it, but it's the kind of anti-meditation, which is that you put as many thoughts into your mind as you possibly can. You know, dreaming is a very much part of, uh, of creative thinking. I say in my book that I encourage everybody to daydream. Take time out to get away from what you are looking at, what your present stimulus is in front of you. Just put your mind out of it and, and daydream. Go away for, for a second. For some people, it might be, you know, where they like to go. I mean, right now, for example, uh, we, we can't travel, at least in Canada, the borders are closed still and because of COVID. And I have not been stationary for this long since I was 16 years old. Mm. And so uh, quite often I, when I daydream, I go to a beach uh, in my own mind uh, because uh, I miss uh, water. I miss the beach. I, I can't travel there. I am aware of that. Uh, and I miss it. So everybody has their own way of daydreaming and, and getting away from what is uh, currently happening in front of you. And I encourage people to daydream all the time. Go away. That daydreaming process, because it doesn't have to do with what is real, what is in front of you, what you're seeing or what you're hearing at that particular moment, because your mind is somewhere else, actually aids a lot in creative thinking because you find different ways of thinking. So my suggestion, when you do daydream, and I suggest that you actually do daydream, is to think about your problems and then to think about your solutions. And believe it or not, you will find it easier to find all your problems and to find all the solutions to those problems if you're doing it in a process of daydreaming, if you're away, you're not, you're not in the present, you're not where you are physically, but you're in some other place uh, in your mind. Why is that? It's very simple because what you need to do is you need to first of all discover what all your problems are and then you need to discover what all the solutions are. And the solution may not be what comes to your mind immediately. The solutions, there are many different ways to approach problems and to come up with solutions and creativity is what helps you find the various avenues to approach a problem. Then creativity can be applied so that there are many different solutions. So that you might come up with 10 different ways of, of solving the problem 
if you're a highly creative thinker, if you're a narrow thinker, you'll find the first, the, you'll come up with the solution, the first thing that comes into your mind, and you'll stop there. Well, don't stop there. If you're a creative thinker, think of the first solution, make a note of it. It might be the best solution, but here's the key. It might not be the best solution. Right. So think of the second solution and the third solution and the fourth solution. And then maybe the best solution is actually a combination, for example, of three and four uh, that you've come up with in your mind. It might not be the first thing. And I, I give an example of a book of a silly example. I can't tie my shoelaces very well. Every time I tie my shoelaces, they seem to come out. Well, uh, you know, if you, if you have six holes in your shoes, for example, there are over a trillion ways mathematically to tie your shoelaces. I'm going through every single one of them slowly trying to figure out the best way. The point is that, okay, if I have a problem with tying my shoelaces, if I'm a non-creative thinker, I'm going to come up with one or two or three or four maybe ways to tie my shoelaces and stop. If I'm a creative thinker, I'll come up with 50 different ways of tying my shoelaces. And maybe it is the 47th way of tying my shoelaces that is the best way to keep them tied. So you don't know that. Creative thinking is a transformational way. It is a way of expanding your mind. It is a conscious way of saying, I don't stop when I find the first solution. I don't stop when I see one problem. I look for all my problems. I find all the solutions. Then I come up with the application that is best because I have much greater knowledge about it than I would if I was a not creative thinker. Yeah, that's great. And I'm reflecting on it too. And I realize that I'm, a, I'm very much a kinetic thinker. Like I need to move. I like to do when I'm trail running or hiking or biking or doing something. When I'm moving, I'm thinking more creatively. And I think there's a lot of people like me out there, a lot of people like yourself, I know Ken, um, uh, who you know and who actually suggests you for the show. You know, he takes a he takes a bath every morning, a very long one. And that's where he sets his creativity and intention every day, similar to probably what you do with your shower. And I think everybody has a different way of doing it, but it's it's really important to explore and be aware of how you create that atmosphere for yourself to be creative. And, uh, it's powerful. So I, I want to jump to failure. Um, it's critical that you have a healthy relationship with it, but at times it can get you down, right? Yeah. How, um, how do you, how do you approach that mindset? Do you bring a sense of playfulness to it? Like what, what do you, do you make it a game how do you approach failure and make it part of, you know, embracing it, I guess? It's not a game, especially if you're doing it, uh, you know, in a serious uh, way. It, it is something that you need to embrace. The first thing you need to do with failure is understand that you're going to fail. There isn't a perfect human being in this planet, not even one. There isn't one person who has never failed at something in their life. Absolutely nobody has not failed. So the first thing you need to understand is that you are a failure, period. I mean, you are a failure. I'm a failure. You're a failure. Every person on this planet has been a failure at something, at some point in their life. So embrace it. So understand that that's not the end. That if you simply fail at doing something, that, that doesn't mean that you stop. 
It is creativity that will allow you to get up and keep going. You know, one of the things that people say, especially in bureaucratic organizations, that if somebody fails, they have to learn lessons from that failure. You know, you have to look back and you have to introspect and you have to understand why you failed and so on. I think a lot of that is BS. I just think, I just think, get up and get going and get on to the next thing. Don't look back and don't overanalyze. You know, uh, I go through in my book that overanalysis uh, is actually a great killer of creativity. And Steve Jobs used to say this. Steve Jobs uh, and Henry Ford and people like that. Henry Ford said. Uh, quite famously, that if I had asked everybody what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah, and he was, was he was right because he, he, if you just think uh, if you just know horses, you can't think of a car. Uh, you you're not going to be able to say okay, uh, I want a car. It's the same with Steve Jobs. He said the best, worst way to to have creative thinking or something of those you know not exact words, but. But um, the worst way to have creative thinking is to have focus groups. You know, when you, when you put people together and you say, what do you think of this or uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I think all of those absolutely kill creative thinking. I think that's one of the worst things that companies do. Uh, I think that what you need to do is you need to embrace risk. You need to allow risk to, uh, to thrive in your organization. And yes, it can be costly. But in the long run, in the short run, it can be costly. In the long run, that's the only way to, to proceed. That's the only way you're going to succeed. And that's especially true today. Let me give an example today. If you're a retail organization, it doesn't matter. You have a small shop, a big shop, a, a series of shops. If you don't have an online presence and you're still going to rely after 2020 on people walking into your shop and buying your products, I tell you, you're going to be out of business. You're going to be out of business because if you don't embrace creativity, you don't embrace a new way of thinking and of doing, you are going to get out of business because we have changed. We have now become so so used to online shopping, I'm not sure we're going to go back. I mean, I wrote a book. And, and I, you know, during COVID, and of course, my original thought was that we get the book into bookstores and so on. And then somebody pointed out to me, but actually, even before COVID, 80% of books are sold online. And now I suppose it must be like 98% of books are sold online. So who cares about getting into a bookstore? It doesn't really matter whether your book is in a bookstore or not. Uh, you need to have an online presence and you need to do online marketing. And I think that that uh, example of, of a book uh, can be duplicated into many, many, many different uh, organizations and many, many different products where you've got to embrace a new way of thinking. It's, it's not, you, you can't stand still. And any company that stands still is not going to progress, is not going to thrive, and in many cases is not going to exist. Kodak is a good example. Kodak was told by individual consultants, independent consultants, that if you don't embrace digital photography, if you stay with, with film, you're going to go out of business. And that's exactly what happened. Nobody could apply their creative thinking in their organization 
to say, hang on, we've got to change because the world is changing. Netflix is a good example with, with, uh, with uh, the people who used to do DVDs and so on. So, you know, company after company after company, even if you dominate, like Kodak dominated the film-based camera industry at that time, even if you dominate your industry, if you don't continuously apply creative thinking, you will be like Motorola, which came up with a great idea of uh, mobile phones, which nowadays everybody has in the world, and nobody has a Motorola, or virtually nobody has a Motorola phone. Everybody has an Apple or Samsung or whatever. And the reason for that is because they didn't continuously apply creative thinking. So you need to do that. And the one thing that 2020 has done is that it's forced us to do it. And if you're still not doing it in October 2020, I guarantee you, you're going to get out of business. Yeah, I agree. And and there's one more thing I want to tackle uh, for this episode. And then, you know, I'm sure uh, if you're open to it, I'd love to have you back on again. I can tell there's so many things we haven't uncovered here. Why is it important for people to have multiple roles? Because uh, you, in the modern world, can't just be a a single uh, pers- a single kind of person. Okay, let's take uh, so many examples. Let's take Steve uh, Hawking. Stephen Hawking is an example. He was a scientist, but why do we know Stephen Hawking's name? It's not because he he uh, made some great discoveries. Of course, he did, but that's not why you and I know him because we're not scientists. We know it because he wrote. He wrote books that made his science understandable. So he was not just a scientist, he was an author. And uh, you can go through life uh, uh, pointing out to highly creative thinkers, and I put in my book, that actually when you are a highly creative thinker, you don't just apply to one aspect of your life. You don't apply to only one thing, you apply to many different things. Marie Curie is a good example. She won two Nobel Prizes. And they're handing out the Nobel Prizes. I think the Peace Prize just was handed out today. The reason why she won two Nobel Prizes is simply because she was a highly creative thinker and she applied her creative thinking in different avenues. There isn't a CEO that has only one hat you have multiple hats as a CEO. So if you want to succeed, if you want to thrive, you have to have the ability to go beyond what you're thinking. So even if you're a mathematician, you know, there's nothing creative about one plus one equals two. It's a fact. One plus one equals two. It's a mathematically proven fact. There's nothing creative about it. But the way you approach mathematics, the way you solve problems in mathematics, the way you communicate those problems are all all involved creativity. And that's the difference. That's why you can't just be a mathematician. That's why you can't just be a scientist. That's why you can't just be an author. That's why you can't just be one thing. You need to be multiple things in today's world. I have uh, the analogy of uh, the tortoise and the hare. You know, the tortoise and the hare where the, the uh, tortoise and the hare have a race and the hare decides uh, he's, he's so far ahead he's going to take a nap 
and the tortoise just plods along and gets to the finish line first. Well, in the modern world, the hare does still take the nap, but then he puts on his roller skates and he roller skates to the front of the line before the tortoise gets there. So uh, in the modern world, you, you have to have the creative thinking ability to get ahead of the world and not just be the tortoise going in a straight line. You're not going to succeed. I love it. I guess I do have one more question uh, for those. Because in the, the final thing you mentioned was passion. And I feel like that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Sometimes, uh, you know, without really taking thought into what it actually means for the individual. And I, I always ponder this question, you know, is, is passion something that you find in a particular project or endeavor, or is passion something that you bring with you? Passion is something that you need to cultivate. Passion is something that you need to, to, uh, you need to really succeed. You, you need passion because you need to believe in yourself. And that, doesn't mean that you're trying to, you know, change the world. That doesn't mean nobody, you know, everybody can't go around changing the world. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that everybody can paint like Picasso or Rembrandt. I'm not suggesting that everybody can compose like Mozart. All I'm suggesting is that no matter what you do, no matter how small or big it is, have passion in what you do. Have passion for life. Have passion uh, for uh, your relationships. Uh, whether they be personal or professional, but more than anything else, have a passionate belief in yourself. You must believe in yourself to be a highly creative thinker. If you're not uh, passionate, if you don't have the confidence in yourself, you are not going to become a highly creative thinker because that goes back to what we're talking about. You will not take risks. And you need to be able to take risks. You need to take risks to be a highly creative thinker. So uh, passion is something that is absolutely essential. And it, it, it has a great relationship with creativity. So the more creative thinking you are, the more passionate you're going to be, and vice versa. The more passionate you're going to be, the more you're going to be creative. Because if you're passionate about something, then you're going to find creative ways of solving those problems or getting around the obstacles that you see. Uh, of making it a success no matter what it is that you're trying to do. So it doesn't matter whether, like me, you know, you're trying to write a book or you're working on, on some project uh, in your work. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you, if you put passion into it, you believe in yourself and you say, I am going to do this, then it opens up your creative thinking because you will find all the possible problems and all the possible solutions to those problems because you have passion, because you want to get it done, you want to succeed. I love it. Oh man, Ferdos, this has been fantastic. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And there's so many personal takeaways I've gotten from this conversation. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to order your book and, uh, and start reading as soon as it gets here. Um, one more time for the audience, where, where do they, where they find you? Uh, if you want people to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Give us, give us the goods. All right. Well, first of all, the book again is called creativity, the key to a remarkable life. Find it on Amazon or any of the platforms you're on, regardless of which country you're in, you can get a paperback, you can get an ebook, you can get an audio book. 
You can also go to my website, which is www.chocmoose.com. You can go to the book uh, section. You can order the book, and you'll get a signed copy from me. You can also look at my website. You can go to my Vimeo channel. You can just Google me and see all my work. You're welcome to download it. You're welcome to use it for free anywhere in the world for any reason whatsoever. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on all the social media. And Eric, it's been a pleasure for me to be on your show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my, my pleasure, 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, for those. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.